All right. First off, I want to go ahead and thank everybody for joining us today on From the Head of the Bed podcast. This is Cassie Padgett here in Louisville, Kentucky at Coast Children's Medical Center. Today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Kushner. First of all, Dr. Kushner, um, I guess, could you just give us a little bit about yourself? You're one of the attendings here at Coast Children's Medical Center. Sure. I've been an anesthesiologist here at Coast for two years. I did my residency here in Louisville. So I was here for four years, then did a fellowship up at Rainbow in Cleveland and moved back down here to join the group. Glad to have you here on the podcast with us today. Thanks for the invite. Today, you're going to be talking about some hemopoiesis in children and pediatric patients. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm going to talk about hematopoiesis and then fetal hemoglobin and physiologic anemia. Fascinating topics. All right. Sounds extremely interesting. We'll go ahead and turn the floor over to you. So whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and start. All right. Uh, hematopoiesis. So your, your liver is going to produce fetal erythropoietin in the first 24 weeks of life. In the last trimester of pregnancy, the erythropoietin is going to be coming from the kidney. You have fetal hemoglobin, and at 10 to 12 weeks, that's 80% of your hemoglobin is fetal hemoglobin, which declines to 0% of your hemoglobin by six months of age after you're born. So that means that at term, in a normal term baby, they have 20% of adult hemoglobin or hemoglobin A. In the early embryologic period, there's three species. There's the Gower 1, the Gower 2, and Portland. Uh, but by the 10th week, those are replaced by fetal hemoglobin, which is the hemoglobin F. At 10 to 12 weeks of gestation, it's 80 to 90% fetal hemoglobin, 10% hemoglobin A. And then uh, in a healthy child and a healthy adult, you have the tetrameric structure, which is two uh, polypeptide alpha chains and two beta chains. And that's your, your hemoglobin A. So two alphas and two betas. Fetal hemoglobin behaves a little bit differently than the adult hemoglobin. The fetal hemoglobin shifts from a, a P50 of, of 19.4 on the first day of life to 30.3 at 11 months. Normal adult is 27. P50, as you know, is the conventional measure of hemoglobin's affinity for oxygen. And you're familiar with the hemoglobin dissociation curve. You can look it up to get a visual of it. But the fetus, uh, fetal hemoglobin is uh, going to be left of the mom's hemoglobin. And it's obviously a good idea to review the dissociation curve for what affects it because that's a good thing for the test writers to ask you questions on. Fetal hemoglobin, it must have a greater affinity for oxygen than maternal hemoglobin so that uh, it will be accepted um, in the uterine villi and give oxygen to the fetus. The increased affinity of fetal hemoglobin for oxygen is due to the lower capacity to interact with the 2,3-diphosphoglycerate, which is the 2,3-DPG. The binding site for the 2,3-DPG is on the beta chain, uh, and that's absent in fetal hemoglobin. Interestingly, that despite how we say this is necessary, oxygen will transfer easily from the mother to fetus when hemoglobin A is actually transfused in utero. So if you have to give a fetus a blood transfusion with adult hemoglobin because there's no uh, fetuses donating blood for other fetuses out there, um, there is not a deleterious effect of that adult hemoglobin. They still get oxygen. They don't die. Infants born to mothers with hemoglobinopathies where the mother has an increased affinity for oxygen, they, the uh, infants don't show any problems generally. So one interesting thing is how the hemoglobin values themselves is going to shift in normal physiologic life. A normal neonate has a hemoglobin of 17, and as we talked about, most of that is uh, hemoglobin F. At three to four months of age in, in a full-term normal neonate, that's going to drop to 10 to 11. 
And then that slowly increases up to around uh, a level of 13 to 14 by the time the child is 10 years old or so. At two years old, though, they should have a hemoglobin of about 12 or 12.5. So this anemia where, where their hemoglobin drops to a level of 10 to 11 is called the physiologic anemia of infancy. And physiologic meaning that it is normal. They don't have any blood pressure problems, heart rate problems, or apnea because of this. When it drops, that's the transition from the fetal hemoglobin to the hemoglobin A. And this drop in hemoglobin stimulates the erythropoietin to be produced by the kidney. As you'll notice when you do your PEDS rotation, or uh, if you've done it already, uh, premature babies do things differently. If you have a premature baby, they, they drop further and faster and they take longer to transition to adult hemoglobin. Differences in, in these uh, healthy versus premature babies are the anemia in a healthy neonate is asymptomatic. It's not a true anemia, really, and so it doesn't cause problems. In a premature, it occurs earlier, uh, persists longer, and is symptomatic. Hemoglobin is often decreased to as low as 8, as early as the fourth week after birth. And their symptoms of anemia in preterm infants are different than you'll see when you have an anemic adult. The anemic infant will be tachycardic. They could have bradycardia, apnea, delayed growth, and poor weight gain. Obviously, bradycardia, apnea, and hemodynamic changes are big deals in anesthesia. In a full-term neonate, erythropoietin and then the hemoglobin levels increase when they're about four months old, and that corrects. So it's non-pathologic. It gets better. In the preterm infant, why is this happening? Well, they're usually in the hospital, and we as healthcare providers are drawing blood, and often that sampling exceeds or equals half of their blood volume in infants weighing less than one kilogram. Then they get transfused with adult blood, which is hemoglobin A, and it's got a lower affinity for oxygen. And then there's no stimulation. There's no uh, erythropoietin that's stimulated for, uh, for correction of this. So these red cells don't stay around very long, and they become anemic again. So as a review here, the, the P50 in a full-term neonate, multiple choice, is it 26.8, 22.4, 19, or 16.5? The P50 in a full-term neonate, the answer is 19. All right, Dr. Kushner, so that was definitely some great information there about the venal hemoglobin. And what are some of the things that kind of run through your head or do you immediately start thinking about right before you go into OR or even before you get back into pre-op? I think especially with a NICU baby, I'm going to want to, unless it's a case that there's really not going to be blood loss, I'm, I'm going to make sure that there is blood available. These kids will often have their type and screen in the blood bank and it's good for a while. So I want to make sure there's blood available if I'm expecting any blood loss. And in pediatric transfusion, especially in, in small neonates, there's a lot of new literature out about how you want to transfuse on the earlier side for some of these kids. So you're not giving the blood quickly and you're decreasing the risk of hyperkalemia, which is a whole other topic in pediatric blood transfusion. You don't want to wait until they become tachycardic or bradycardic because a child is going to fall off a cliff when they're sick. They don't circle the toilet like an adult does. They get sick very quickly, and you don't want to not be prepared to transfuse if, if you have a neonate. There's not a lot of blood cir volume circulating anyway, and your IV access is usually small. So I would just be prepared with blood and IV access. Put another IV in 
and generally these cases are going to be done in pediatric hospitals where uh, you're going to have a lot of help for those things. And just for clarification, that's blood that you would actually want in the room, like on standby, correct? Yeah, for a big abdominal case, uh, chest case, X-lap, things like that in a neonate, you're going to want that those things available. All right, so there you have it, folks. Um, be prepared and start your transfusions earlier. Those are the take-home messages for these disorders. We want to thank Dr. Kushner for his time having him here today. And hopefully we'll be back again to speak with him or some of his other colleagues at another point in time. Thanks, Dr. Kushner. Thank you.